The Sermon on the Mount. Though it was delivered on the side of a hill one day in Israel, its power, truth, and simplicity have pierced through every century since. His divinely inspired words are not only timeless, they are timely for us. We hope you will join us as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. Hey, good morning, church. It is good to see you. Uh, Before we dive into our text this morning, uh, I want us to take a moment uh, to think about our church plant in Dripping Springs. Uh, If you were here last Sunday, you got to hear from Pastor James Valet. Uh, But we, Redeemer Midland, uh, sent several families to Dripping Springs uh, to plant a church. And uh, they are in Hayes County. Um, Hayes County uh, is one of the fastest growing uh, counties in the United States. And um, this, today they are start having their first service. I believe it's at 4, 4 or 4.30 p.m. today. And um, I was reminded of what Jesus told his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so pray for more laborers to be sent. And uh, we're so thankful that we are getting to be a part of sending brothers and sisters uh, to another city uh, to be a part of the advancement of the gospel there in Dripping Springs. And so just as a church, I just want us to maybe just take a couple of minutes and can we pray for that group this morning? Uh, The families that are involved as they have their first public service today. Um, I want us to pray as John the Baptist prayed Uh, that we would decrease and that Christ would increase there. Let's take a couple of minutes. How beautiful, Lord, are the feet of those who bring the good news. And Lord, we want to pray this morning for our sister church in Dripping Springs as um, they have their first service today, God. I just pray that you would unite that team, that the pastors there, they would be of one accord. And Lord, I pray that you would use them over the next 50 years, God, to be a a beacon, a place where people can hear the gospel, where saints can be encouraged, Lord. So I pray you would encourage them today. Use them in, in that city, in that region of the country, God, we pray in the name of Jesus. And his people said, amen. Church, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, we are continuing our study through the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we are going to conclude the portion that is often referred to as the Beatitudes. This morning, we're going to be reading from Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. And let's go there together. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 10 and ending at verse 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This morning, if you are taking notes, I want to, I have four points this morning and a conclusion. The first point is that persecution is happening today. So often in the world that we live in, in this side of the world, we can be insulated from what's occurring to Christians globally. Christianity Today wrote an article some years ago, and listen to what they said. Every day, 13 Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. Every day, 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked Every day, 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned, and another five are abducted. That is what the data shows us. For many of us, we may struggle to have a category for the persecuted church. It's a concept that just seems so distant from what we experience as Christians in Midland, Texas. How is this passage relevant to us today? When Jesus is gathered with his disciples and he tells them, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you who are insulted and falsely accused on account of me. What does that mean for us today? Southern Seminary wrote an article some years ago saying this, during one month alone in Egypt in 2013, 38 churches were destroyed, 23 other churches were vandalized, 58 churches were burned, 85 shops of Christians were looted, seven Christians were kidnapped, and six Christians were killed in one month alone in Egypt in 2013. In 2019, I was in Southeast Asia serving at a Bible college. I remember meeting a young lady, she must have been 18 or 19 years of age, by God's grace, she was saved and embraced the gospel. And her family became angry at that. She wanted to be baptized. They did not want to allow her to do so. And so they, she experienced this incredible persecution because she embraced Jesus as Lord of her life. And her father 
despite her, forced her to marry a Muslim man to try to silence her Christianity. That's a very common story around the world. Years ago, early in my ministry, we were, had a Bible study at a community college. And this Nepali student began to come and listen to the stories of the Bible, listen to the stories of Jesus. And he became enamored with Jesus. I would say that he was so close to the kingdom. And one day we were talking about baptism. I said, do you want to follow Jesus? And he said, I want to follow Jesus, but I know that if I am baptized, my family will disown me. And persecution is happening today. It is alive and well. Most of what I read this week said this, by some estimates, more believers suffered martyrdom in the 20th century than all previous centuries combined. The second point that I want us to see, and it's important to us to know as a church, is persecution is expected for the Christian. It is not if, but when. And it will look different based on what side of the world you are on. It'll look different if you're in Seattle or in West Texas. But it's a matter of when. Paul had invested his life into young Timothy. Timothy was a pastor in training. He was Paul's son in the faith. I want you to think about what he, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy verses 3 through 12. Paul said this, All those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is based on the reality of sinful men and women. Every Christian should expect opposition as a result of their faith. The, the more and more, church, that we look like Jesus, the more and more we can expect to be treated as he was treated. Let's consider the early church. Soon after the conception of, of, the, first, of the, the church, you have the first Christian martyr in Acts chapter 7. Stephen is stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus. He's dragged outside the city and stoned to death. In the next chapter, in Acts chapter 8, we learn that right after the murder of Stephen, look at what Acts tells us, verse, chapter 8, verse 1, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Prison. 
This is right at the beginning of the church starting. Church history tells us that all of the apostles experienced persecution. Peter was in prison multiple times and was finally sentenced to die on a cross. And he told them, I am unworthy to die on a cross like my Lord was. And so he asked that he would be crucified upside down. Persecution is happening in the church today, but persecution is expected for the Christian. It was the Emperor Nero who was awful towards Christians. He blamed Christians for the fire that broke out in Rome. He would use Christians as human torches to light up his gardens as he hosted parties. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor in the days of Hitler, he said this, suffering then is the badge of true discipleship. The disciple is not above his master. That is why Luther reckoned suffering among the marks of the true church. Discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ, and it is therefore not at all surprising that Christians be called upon to suffer. In fact, it is a joy and a token of his grace. Point number three, why will Christians be persecuted? Jesus unpacks it for us. He gives us two, two categories to consider it. There's a persecuted for righteousness sake, and there's a persecution on account of Jesus. A kind of persecution that is a result of righteousness and a kind of persecution because of loyalty to Christ. And it's important to note that all who are persecuted are not all blessed. Let me say that again. All that are persecuted are not all blessed. And here's the distinction. Let's look at what Peter tells the church, 1 Peter 4, verses 14 and 16. I believe we have it on the screen. Peter tells the church, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murdered murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. See, there are some that are persecuted because of their poor decisions. They are being persecuted because they were a thief. They're being persecuted because they were a murderer. 
Not all who are persecuted are blessed, but those that are persecuted for righteousness, they are blessed. Those who are persecuted on account of Christ, they are blessed. Let's look at Matthew 5, verse 10. Here is the first one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Church, the, the world will either be drawn to Christ's righteousness in you or they will despise it. The world is, is hostile to the things of God. The, the world is hostile to Christ's righteousness. I think C.S. Lewis said it right. C.S. Lewis said this, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. There is no neutral ground. Jesus told his disciples, the light has come into the world. This is John 3, 19. The light has come into the world and People loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That is the state of every man and woman in their natural state. Deep down, there is a love for the darkness and an animosity towards the things of God. What does it mean for the church to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? See, the, the world will despise our biblical convictions. When you want to stand on what the, how the Bible says we should live, the world will despise that. The Christian that is, is standing out, it's just going to look so different than the world. Because the, the values of the kingdom of heaven are so different than the values of the kingdom of this world. People will be surprised by a, a righteous lifestyle. See, Peter, he saw this happening in the church. Look at how Peter encouraged the church. First Peter chapter four, verses three and four. Look at what he says. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Church, 
Don't be surprised. Here's what he's telling. Don't be surprised when, when the world is confused that you will just not go about your life in the same way that they do. The culture and the world, they have embraced these things. It's okay for, for them to do these things. Don't be surprised when they are shocked and baffled that you will just not go along and follow the rhythms that they have set. They, they will not approve when, when we will not conform to their patterns of life. We see this when it comes to a biblical marriage. Animosity towards that. We see it in, in embracing for life. And the list goes on. You may see it in your workplace. When it's just normal to cut corners here and there. It's okay if, if, if you kind of rearrange your taxes in a somewhat of a dishonest way. Because that's just the norm. That's how we do it. It's okay if, if, if we're a little unethical in this business deal. And yet the, the Christian is operating with an entirely different set of ethics. A biblical set of ethics. Don't be surprised when, when they despise you for holding for what is right. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. The world will despise our message. Paul tells the church in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. They cannot wrap their heads around it. How could you, how could you embrace this idea of this gospel and this, this man Jesus that he died for sins? How could you believe it? it's folly to those who are perishing? Why are Christians be persecuted? That's the first thing he gives us. They're persecuted for righteousness sake. The second thing he gives us is they are persecuted for loyalty to Christ. Look at verse 11. It's the same beatitude, but it's personalized. Matthew 5 verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you or insult you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Over and over, Jesus would remind his disciples, don't be shocked when they hate you because you love me. Jesus consistently enforce that truth to his disciples. I want to show you a couple of passages. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Imagine that you're there, you're sitting with Jesus, you're one of the disciples. 
this man you've been following for months, for years, he looks you square in the eye and he tells you this. Look at Matthew 10, verse 22. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. <laughs> Imagine the disciples. Like, I didn't realize what we were signed up for. I didn't realize that by associating myself with you, Jesus, you're telling me, you will be hated because of me. Or imagine the time Jesus was with his disciples. Let's join them in the room. And look at what he tells them in John 15, verses 18 through 20. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Christ was accused falsely. Don't be surprised if it were to happen to you. Christ was mocked. Don't be surprised when it happens to you. Christ was ridiculed. Don't be surprised if it happens to you. Because a servant is not greater than his master. I want to introduce you to one of the first Christian martyrs, a man by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp became a Christian at a young age. And he would become one of the early church pastors. He lived from 69 AD to 156 AD. Church history would tell us that Polycarp was discipled and trained by the Apostle John. And he was appointed to be the pastor in a city named Smyrna. Later in Polycarp's life, word would begin to spread that Roman officials wanted to arrest him because of his loyalty to Christ. And word got around and his friends surrounded him and they said, Polycarp, you must flee because they're coming for you. But he told his friends this, God's will be done. I wanna be that kind of man. 
The day came when the Roman soldiers came to him and he was escorted to the local court and was interrogated and threatened because of his allegiance to Jesus. We will throw you to the beast. We will burn you at the stake if you will not deny Jesus. And listen to what Polycarp's replied to them by eyewitnesses. Eighty and six years have I served him. And he never did me any injury. How then could I blaspheme my king and savior? Polycarp replied to them, while your fire lasts but a little while, the fires of judgment reserved for the ungodly cannot be quenched. The soldiers took him and were going to nail him to a stake and he tells them this, he told them this, leave me as I am. For he who grants me to endure the fire will enable me also to remain on this pole unmoved without the security you desire from nails. And Polycarp, eyewitnesses said that he began to pray as he was set on fire. Christians will be persecuted for their righteousness, for their right way of living, and for their loyalty to Jesus. Man, would that, will that happen in, in our life here? I don't know. There are many Christian thinkers and pastors that think that maybe in our lifetime we will. The final point, point number four, the persecuted Christian will be blessed and rewarded. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples in verse 12. After he just told them, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, who on account of their allegiance to Christ, then he says this, rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. The cost of persecution does not compare to the reward that will be given to those who have endured suffering for the sake of Christ. Rejoice and be glad. And you and I, I think we just read this and we just, I don't think we fully understand what he's saying. This week, uh, I, I've had a, a, a dear friendship with a, a pastor in Southeast Asia. And he happened to come into town and spend a couple of days with us. And he and I were just talking about this passage because he reads this passage so differently than I read this pas passage as a pastor in Midland, Texas. Because he's, he's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. He's seen the, 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 his church members, their homes burned because they follow Jesus. And I was just encouraging him. We were just 
so thankful. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, a man that experienced so much hardship. Listen to this. It's not, it won't be on the screen. Listen to what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So do not lose heart. Speaking of people that had understand, understood persecution, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. Persecuted church, you may be experiencing so much trauma and hardship because of your loyalty to Christ, but hang on, rejoice and be glad because there is a reward for you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And we see a powerful picture of this in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, the, the religious leaders were furious at the Christians, particularly the apostles. And they had arrested them. And it just, just a casual story, Acts chapter 5, an angel comes, breaks them out of prison, and tells them, go, go preach about the gospel. And so they go to the, the, the synagogue and they're proclaiming Christ. And the religious leaders are like, How, what? those guys were supposed to be in prison. And word gets out, oh, wait, they're, they're preaching Christ in the synagogue. And so they, they grab them and they tell them, you must stop preaching about Christ. And Peter and the apostles respond to them. We must obey God rather than men. And look at what Acts chapter 5, verse 40 tells us. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Can you imagine? The, they're, they're bleeding and they're, they've been beaten and, and the apostles are just walking home and they're like high-fiving each other. Like, what's up? We did it. We got to suffer for Christ. What a different way to see persecution. We were considered worthy to suffer for our Lord. And there's, there might be some of you here saying, I just don't understand. How could true Christians be so devoted to Christ? And my friend, let me just tell you that what the majority of us in this room believe. We've devoted our lives to Christ. We are willing to suffer him because he has suffered the greatest of suffering at the cross to redeem and reconcile sinners to God the Father. Through his broken body, he is worthy of all of our love, all of our devotion, all of our affection because Jesus has paid it all. It is finished at the cross.
eternity will prove that it was worth it for those who suffer for Christ, for righteousness sake. So how do we conclude, church? This passage, it just, it reminds us, Christian, of what you signed up for. The fine print. It reminds us of the cost of following Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said it this way, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Pick up your cross and follow me. Regardless of the cost, Church, I, I want to leave you with a few questions. I, and I intentionally want to leave them open-ended for you. To let you wrestle and process through them. What about the Christian... who has never experienced resistance because of your faith. Could the lack of resistance that you and I have experienced alarm us in any way? Could it be that your Christianity is so subtle that it is unnoticeable? Could it be that your Christianity is so private? that it would not cause the world any trouble that you're there. Could it be that the reason we have not experienced resistance because of our faith is because our Christianity looks so much like the world, they wouldn't know the difference. I need to wrestle with those questions, church. I think we should wrestle with that too. I think it is unique where we live. But I think it's a timely reminder for us to hear Jesus' words. All will hate you because of me. And let's not be surprised when they do.
just bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for the reminder from your word that there is a blessing for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There is a blessing for those that are falsely accused and insulted on account of our loyalty to Christ. Thank you for, for the reminder that there is a great reward for those who suffer because of Jesus. And God, I trust your spirit to confront us this morning how we need to be confronted and to stir our hearts. Lord, to, to be reminded that there is a global church in various places around the world Every day they suffer because of their loyalty and love for you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is mindful of those brothers and sisters that, that shares our resources with them and, and prays for them and strives to equip. But God, Lord, I just pray that you would remind us this morning of the cost of following you. Lord, we do not want to have a subtle Christianity. Would you help us, Lord, as we respond to your word? Today we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.